Hello, and welcome back to the Irish Tennis Updates podcast. My name is Adam, your host. This week, I've been chatting to Wesley O'Brien. Wesley is a tennis coach from Ireland, and he also has set up a foundation called the Hit and Hope Foundation, Hit and Hope Tennis Foundation, where he visits refugee camps around Europe and runs tennis sessions for the kids who live in those refugee camps. Wesley is also heavily involved back in Ireland in with Blind Tennis and the Enjoy Tennis program. So in this chat, we talk all about Wesley's work, largely focusing on his, his work in refugee camps, how that came about and the experiences and the, the standout moments he's had while on those trips. We also touch on his, his work with Blind Tennis and he talks about how, how he'd encourage all coaches to get involved, both in, in Enjoy Tennis and also, if, if, if they can, in, in, with bringing tennis to those who, who otherwise would not who otherwise would not have access, like, like those living in refugee camps. I think it's it's really inspirational what Wesley has done and is continuing to do. And there's a lot to, to take from this episode. It's very, very inspirational, motivational. So I hope you enjoy this chat. And without further ado, here is Wesley O'Brien. All right, Wesley, a big thanks for coming on for a chat. Uh, how are things with you? Um, all good now, Adam. Uh, thanks for having me on. No, not at all. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I just want to, just to jump straight in, um, kind of maybe give people a bit of an idea of, of, of what you do. I know you recently ran a, a raffle and, and raised a bunch of money. So would you maybe just tell a little bit about what the raffle was for, what the money was for, and what was going on there? Yeah, the raffle, um, it kind of started out um, a number of years ago when I, I started doing these trips to the refugee camps in 2018. And initially... The plan was I had taken about three trips to Ritzona refugee camp. And on my third trip, I asked um, one of the managers in the camp, who was a girl from Kilkenny, actually Claire Campion, if the refugee camp actually had um, a defibrillator. Um, because I'd actually raised a bit of money for a defibrillator for my own club here in Killaloo. Um, so I just asked simply, you know, do you have a defibrillator? Because I would have thought like a refugee camp would be you know, it's crucial that they would have, you know, a piece of equipment like that. Um, and Claire would have said that they didn't have one at the time, that it was kind of a luxury, you know, because, you know, uh, our funding is very tight and that the plan was to get one. So I kind of said, you know, kind of leave it with me um, and I look into it and see what I can do. So I initially I came back and I started up a GoFundMe for the defibrillator. Um, and then I decided to kind of reach out to a few, um, I suppose, tennis players and, and, and their foundations to see if I could get a little signed um, signed piece of memorabilia, you know, yeah. to help with the cost of the defib. Um, and it's, it's, it started with the very first item, which was the Rafa Nadal signed shirt. The Rafa Nadal Foundation came back and I told them my story that I traveled to the refugee camps and I do the tennis with different camps and all that. And they said, no problem. Look, there's a signed, there's a signed shirt. And I thought, I'm well underway now. That's fantastic. I have, you know, a bit of money through the GoFundMe. I had the signed items. And unfortunately, then kind of COVID hit. Um, this was around yeah. March of 2020. So everything kind of stopped. Everything kind of came to a complete halt, really. Um, so it, it got to about the summertime of 2020. And like I said, I'd raised about half the money for the defibrillator through a GoFundMe. 
And the plan was always to auction or raffle the remaining items I had and raise the other half. But because it was taking so long and COVID, I just kind of decided to just put in half the money for the defib myself. You know, so I, I, I paid yeah. the balance out of my own pocket just to kind of get it done and get it because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was, you know, when I'd be able to do it. But, you know, I was delighted that I managed to get the defib for them. But I still had, here I was now, I'd gotten the money for the defib, but I still had the number of items, like the Rafa Nadal shirt. Um, I managed to get a Usain Bolt shirt, a Lewis Hamilton thing. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, someone just said, look, why don't you reach out to more people, more sports and more sports stars and, and yeah. more teams and see what, they, you know, see what they'll come back and say. Um, so pretty much like two or three items turned into 25 um, items oh, yeah. so yeah, like yeah. the raffle yeah so the raffle we had recently um i linked in with a good friend of mine alwyn o'toole who runs the access tennis foundation yeah um and basically what ollie would do here in ireland i would do abroad like the access tennis foundation brings tennis to disadvantaged and underprivileged here in ireland where i would do it you know in the refugee camps abroad so we we raffled off um, five of the items um, and like all the money raised now is going to go towards Alwyn's work here in Ireland and you know I will use the money to buy as many tennis rackets as many tennis nets as many tennis balls as I can and you know travel back to, to more and different refugee camps yeah no brilliant and obviously the great that you can get some great prizes and and raise some good money and obviously you mentioned Alwyn and, and the work season I have spoken to Alwyn before so if anyone is listening and hasn't heard that maybe they could yeah. check out to hear Alwyn's story as well um, which it's great you guys can work together on that kind of stuff um, Perfect, yeah, and yeah. yeah and I'm just kind of to, to get in a bit more to, to kind of the work you've done obviously you mentioned you've been out to, to those refugee camps a few times and and done some work so, so to, just to go back to the start of it like what, what inspired you to do this or how did they kind of really get started for you? It, it really kind of started, I mean, it, it was like a number of years ago, there was, um, there was a picture of, it would have been 2015, there was a very famous picture at the time, like the refugee crisis would have been in the news a lot, and, you know, people trying to come across and get into Europe, but there was a very famous or an infamous picture of a young little boy um, called Alan Curdy, who would have been a three-year-old um, little Syrian boy that mm. you know, his family had met it from Syria into Turkey and they were trying to cross from Turkey into Greece and with there was a little boy, his mother and his two little brothers and the board actually capsized um, so the very famous picture was actually of that you know little boy had actually washed up on the beach you know, his body had washed up on the beach. Mm, and, yeah. you know, it was really, you know, a well-known picture, but it, you know, something like that really had got to me. You know, I kind of felt from, you know, from that moment on, if there was something that I could do, if there was something, you know, any little thing at all. And I suppose like tennis seemed the obvious, you know, the obvious kind of choice, I suppose, you know, that I can use. Yeah, no, because obviously a lot of people would have seen that picture and would have been touched by us, but obviously fair play to you for then really going out and, you know, doing something about it. So yeah, I guess that's where the, the, I mean, the motivation came for you. Then how did you start? How did you get started? How do you kind of go about actually getting out to, to some refugee camps? It, yeah, it, it would have been like 2018, 
um, the summer of 2018 that I decided, look, I run summer camps here in Ireland. Um, I work with kids a lot. I love working with kids. So I reached out to a couple of um, NGOs and kind of nonprofits in, um, in Greece primarily who would be working in the refugee camps and just said, look, I'm a tennis coach here from Ireland. Um, I don't know how, how you, you would feel about this, but how would you feel about me coming down to the, your camp that you're involved with and doing a bit of a tennis camp with the kids? Because um, I was so used, you know, I kind of do it in schools here in Ireland as well. And in schools, I bring the tennis nets, I bring the rackets, I bring the tennis balls, and I set them up in the schools. And it kind of grew from that. I said, you know, why can't I do this in one of the, the refugee camps? So, um, so one camp came back to me, um, uh, Lighthouse Relief, who's based in Ritzona Refugee Camp. And they were kind of come back to me kind of quizzical because it had never been done before. I mean, I don't, you know, something like this has never really been done before, um, like let alone with tennis. So, you know, once we worked out all the kind of logistics and, you know, how we can do this and what am I bringing and, uh, and all that, I would have traveled down for my first trip in November 2018 for a week. Okay. Um, they normally like people to stay for like three weeks, but seeing as I was doing a kind of a workshop and I was kind of limited with my own work here in Ireland, um, they said, look, why don't you come down for a week, um, bring all the tennis gear, all the tennis nets and try it for a week. And it just blew me away. And, you know, the amount of kids that got involved was, was amazing for that week. Yeah, great. And, and how would that experience of being there have compared to what you would have expected or kind of images you might have had of, of what the camp would be like before you went? Um, I didn't, you know, people have asked me that before. I've nev I never really had an idea of, you know, what it was going to be like. I kind of went yeah. into kind of kid mode. You know, they were the same as, it was kind of the same as working with kids here in Ireland. You know, kids are kids and kids just want to have fun. You know, I never taught... Um, you know, what is this going to be like for me? What is this going to, uh, how is this going to be different for me? How uh, do I have to behave a certain way? It was never, it was never that kind of a sense of a thing. I just kind of thought, you know, kids are kids. I just, I just go into kid mode. You know, they're the very same as kids. I, I treat them exactly the same as kids here in Ireland, which I love working with kids. And, you know, I think that helped me. You know, I mm. didn't have this preconception of, oh, what, you know, the, they are kind of different kids or they're different people. I need to behave a certain way. Yeah. Um, no, it was kind of a camp as a camp, you know, yeah. you know, the, the same as a tennis camp here, you know, let's go in, bring some tennis crib, uh, uh, bring some of the tennis equipment. Um, I lacked silly for the younger kids as I would do here in Ireland. And, you know, they just loved it. Yeah. Well, that, obviously the first time was successful for you. So then you did, Get, so how quickly then did you kind of plan to maybe get back again? I know you have been back since. So that, how did that go after that first trip? Yeah, it was, you know, it was for a week initially. And, you know, I've said it before many times that, you know, I always look at it like I'm glad I went for a week, but I'm sorry I went for a week. You know, mm. I'm glad I went because I did it and it was amazing. But I'm sorry I went for a week in the sense of it was only for a week initially. Yeah. So, you know, I was like heartbroken going home. So it was always the plan to go back. So literally six weeks later in January, six weeks after my first trip, I went back out again. Um, and I managed to get two little portable tennis nets. 
right. that I brought with me this time. And this time, I, in January 2019, so six weeks later, I spent um, a longer period there. So I spent about four weeks okay. yeah. there kind of that time. Um, and again, I came home and keeping in touch and all that. And January 2020 now was the last time I was in Ritzona. Yeah. Just before COVID hit. Yeah. yeah. So I was there for a third trip um, in January 2020. Um, you know, and it kind of came from there. It was always after my third trip, I said, you know, you know, why not kind of grow this? Why not make this, you know, why not travel to more refugee camps in more countries and do the same again, bring the tennis equipment and bring all the balls. Um, yeah. But COVID kind of knocked me, knocked everyone sideways. So for a year and six months, everything kind of you know stopped for me you know like and the trips and everything else but i was lucky enough to get in contact with um with another ngo called strong gens who run a school for afghan refugees in athens okay um so i managed to travel out to them in finally i got out i got back out to greece in in september 2021 so they were only like four months ago um so i started the tennis project with them as well Okay. Um, yeah. So how, how was that one? Was it similar in experience to the previous ones you'd had, or how? how similar, was experience? Ex similar experience, smaller, uh, smaller kind of uh, yeah. groups of people I was dealing with, um, and that wouldn't have been based in a refugee camp. They kind of run a school in the centre of Athens, um, so that would have been a case of literally. I found um, a public park about ten minutes away from the school. Okay. So I so I would arrive up at about five o'clock um, every day to the school, and all the kids would just pick, like they'd pick ten rackets each, or want to be carrying the nets, and we'd all walk down to the public park and just set up the tennis equipment, and off we go. Like you know, yeah, it was, yeah. that was an amazing experience as well. Yeah, yeah. So now you uh, you found it kind of a you've called it now hidden hope tennis so is, is that is that kind of have you done that quite recently or was that from the very start was that what you were calling it or uh, how um, that was only i say within the last um since kind of lockdown okay. someone suggested you know it's it's brilliant what you're doing wesley but it would be great to kind of give it a you know give it a kind of a title and give it a kind of a name yeah you know because if you're doing a bit of fundraising you know uh wesley o'brien tennis coach you know, okay, he's a tennis coach, but you know, it, it just kind of rounded it off a little bit. You know, I thought yeah. Hidden Hope was a nice little name for it, a nice little ring to it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so, do, do you are there any other people that are, are working with you on this, or is it still kind of just yourself? It, it's just me. It's just and, me. And then, do you have, do you have, would you have ambitions to to grow it in in terms of more people, or would or how, how do you I, see it going? No, no, I'm kind of happy enough. You know, kind of plodding along yeah. in myself because yeah. you know I do all this in my spare time. Mm. Um, like I'm, I coach here in uh, in Kilubana Tennis Club. So like whenever I get the chance, you know, it's um, you know, people have been very good in helping me with kind of rackets and balls and you know, you know, things like that. But you know, I'm really happy plodding along on my own. You know, I'm I'm hoping now to go to Turkey in in March okay. um, next year with uh, an NGO called Kep Team. So K E P Team. Um, and they run a center in Izmir and Athens for refugee women and girls. So it's kind of right. a safe house for refugee women and girls. So there would be no male, um, like male, you know, refugees uh, involved with that. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. They seem very enthusiastic about 
starting a bit of tennis as well. So, yeah, you know, so it's it really is, about just yeah. you know, giving a bit of hope and giving a bit of normality. Yeah, you know, and I'm, you know, absolutely, I want to, you know, travel to as many countries and just do the same again. And you know, I find it like any equipment that I bring with me, like the tennis nets and the balls and the rackets, you know, they're all left with the the the, uh, the NGOs. Right, so yeah. wherever I go, whichever camp I go to, they can keep the equipment and they can keep the rackets and the balls, so they can keep it going. Hopefully. Yes. Yeah. That, that, I guess. I guess that, that 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 is a great thing. That even you know you're only there for a few weeks, but it can be something that they can keep, obviously, when yeah for, for the rest of it. So so yeah. So your you, your kind of plans are just you know keep reaching out to more places, try to go as many different camps as you can and different experiences, yeah. and keep trying to go to different places, bring tennis to as much as you as many places as you can. That's that's kind of the story for you now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's. You know, a lot of these kids and, and, and residents, obviously, I mean, they would have never have had the opportunity to, you know, kind of play tennis, you know, but it's always one of those things. I mean, you see a lot of kids, um, like in Ritzona now, when I went first, you know, you'd have five-year-old little kids, you know, that would be yeah. coming up and they'd be from, you know, Syria or Iraq or whatever, you know, and you put this little tennis racket in their hand and you give them a ball, and it's fairly self-explanatory. I mean, they know what to do, even though they've never seen tennis or they've never experienced tennis. You know, they're working out, okay, you know, hit the ball with the thing, you know. So, you know, it's very, you know, it's very good there with Universal. Yes, of course. Um, and so are there any kind of, from any of those trips you've had so far, are there any kind of moments that stand out or make you kind of keep wanting to come back and do it again? Any kind of moments that really, that really kind of stand out to you? Oh, I mean, like there's plenty of, there's plenty of little stories that you have along the way. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I found, I mean, like the residents in these camps are literally the most amazing, amazing people. You know, I mean, they're really, really like lovely people and considerate people. Um, like I told, I taught a story before recently of, you know, the little boy in one, in my very first trip to Arizona, um, there was a little boy, um, beautiful little kid, blonde hair, blue eyes. Like he, like, like he was the most gorgeous little kid you'll ever see in your life. Um, and I was finishing up for the day, like the, the camp was over. I was picking up all the tennis equipment and, you know, you know, usually like here in Ireland, when, you know, when you're tidying up the kids like Scarper, you know, it's like pick up the balls. Uh, no, I got to go. But there was this one little boy about five or six. Um, and he was like, as I was taking down one of the nets, he was going around and he was picking up all the cones for me. He, he was collecting all the cones and all the balls. And I didn't ask him to do it. Like, you know, I didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but, but he was going around and he was doing it. And um, it was then like, it was near the end of the day and he picked up all the cones and he walked up and he, he'd given it to me. Um, and he, he kind of, a lot of the people did giving me the name cause Wesley, they couldn't get their head around the name Wesley. Mm, they couldn't Christ. pronounce Wesley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I became known as Wes Ali very okay, quickly. Okay, okay. So that was my yeah. name. So he came up and he gave me the cords and he said, Wes Ali, and he gave me the cones. Yeah. Um, that was brilliant. So, so, uh, so I, you know, there was no one around. So I gave him a tennis racket and I said, look, you, you know, go over there now to the other side of the net and I'll have a little bit of a hit with you. Biggest smile came on his face. Biggest yeah. smile. His eyes lit up because it was just me and him. You know, there was, and he loved a bit of attention, like. Um, so we were hitting away and all that, and, and then two parents or two people would have come over from the residential area, 
because where I was kind of doing the tennis, it was separate to the residential area. Um, so they came over and, you know, one of them got out a little phone and was filming. Yeah, yeah. You know, the little boy hitting the, you know, you know uh, uh, hitting the ball. So obviously, you know, common sense worked in my head, you know, these are the little boy's parents. So I just asked them, you know, are you these little boys, uh, mom and dad, uh, is that your little boy? And in kind of broken English, they were saying, yes, yes, yes. You know, a big smile on their face too. You know, and I just kind of said to them, you know, I want you to know you have one very, very good little boy there. And I explained yeah. how he went around and he picked up all the balls for me and all the cones. You know, and I could see the dad getting a little bit kind of choked up by that, you know, mm. kind of a strange way. Yeah. You know, I think it kind of meant a lot for someone else to kind of, you know, especially a stranger, I suppose, to kind yeah. of say, you know, your little boy is very good. You know, he's, he's a very, very good little boy because, yeah. you know, most parents that I've spoken to in that environment, you know, all they care about is their kids, like, mm, yeah. you know, you know okay. their kids yeah, are their number yeah. one priority. And I suppose, you know, like they're all kind of uncertain. They don't know what's going to happen to themselves, let alone their kids, like. And I think yeah. for someone to say, you know, your little boy is very good. He's a well, I think they kind of took it as a compliment for themselves too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that they're doing a good job. You know, I like despite the circumstances they're in, you yeah. know, they're, they're yeah. doing a good job. So it's little stories like that, that kind of keeps you going and, you know, it kind of keeps you moving back and, you know, it's. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's a lovely story. And it's yeah. very, like, it is a very moving story. And there's some sure that you have loads of those, this. Just are like the experiences you'll have. I can only kind of imagine how how much you must take away from them. Um, yeah, yeah. You always. I mean, it's you know, I get as much out of it as as they do. You know, yeah. I love the fact that you know you're doing a little bit. You know, it's not a huge amount. You know that you're doing, but it's it's you know there was one other, there was one other story, and I think um, there were these two little girls. They were about nine or ten years of age. And they were like identical twins, like okay. identical, like even down to what the, the same height, to what they wore, they were identical twins. Now, I didn't know they were identical twins until later on. Yeah. But I was hitting with one of them over the net and playing away, whatever. Um, and then the girl that I was playing with, she hit the, the tennis ball over my head. Yeah. So I had to turn yeah. around and go and get it. But when I turned around, there was the other twin yeah. wearing the same clothes. And I looked <laughs> around and I looked again and I looked around and they could see the look of shock in my face. Like, how did you get from there? To there? Yeah, and then yeah. they, they just started laughing, the two of them, because yeah. I didn't know they were identical twins. Yeah. But they realized that I was looking and I was looking, how did you get from there to over there so quickly? And then the penny dropped in, you're identical twins. You know, that's great. But they had a great time out of that. Like they had a great, yeah. they had great fun with me over that. Like, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, that's brilliant. Um, now tell me. So obviously, when, when you're over at the camps, you have a few hours, however many hours a day you do of, of the tennis. So how how's the rest of your time? If you're there for a month, like how are you, like do you, like are you for your food, your kind of accommodation? Like like how's the rest of the experience for you? It's it's I mean yeah. Usually we would arrive. Like with with Zona now, we generally arrived. Like all the staff, all the residents, all, all the um, the the people working there and volunteers, they would arrive at about eleven o'clock, mm. and they would open up because with Lighthouse Relief now how it works, 
is that they have kind of two kind of separate areas. What Lighthouse Relief do basically is um, they kind of run kind of activities and kind of a hangout area in the camp. So they would have um, the yes space, which is the youth engagement space. And that's basically for people, for residents of the camp to come. Um, they'd be like, you know, 15, up, uh, like 15 years of age upwards. You know, they can come and they can drink tea and just hang out and play some table tennis. And they would then would be the child friendly space, which would be for kids from three, uh, from three up to eight, I suppose, like yeah. the real small kids. Um, so pretty much I would be somewhere in the middle. So I would generally start tennis at about one o'clock. So when I arrive in the camp, I would just kind of help out, you know, setting up the table, tennis table or getting water, whatever. And then from one o'clock, I would generally go down to a little court area and set up the tennis. And from one o'clock to five o'clock, I'm doing tennis constantly. Yeah. So mm -hmm. and the people are coming and coming and coming and coming and they join in and they join in. Um, but uh, yeah, like the accommodation we would live in and all that, that would be in, that would be separate to the refugee camp. So I wouldn't be obviously staying in the refugee camp. I'd be living um, uh, generally uh, in the nearest town or in Athens. And then I would travel to the camp every day. Okay. Yeah. And, and just a kind of another quick question on, on all this is, so how, if people want to kind of find out more about it or, or, kind of help out you know obviously you have your GoFundMe and stuff for getting involved how where, where would you point people for for, for information or, or helping out uh yeah well i have my own uh facebook page it's a hit and hope tennis coach okay so like any information about myself or what i'm doing um i still have some sports memorabilia that i love to you know move on at some stage and, and kind of fundraise from that i mean you know some of the stuff I've been blown away by the support. I mean, you know, you know, people a lot bigger than me and in a lot bigger jobs than me, you know, have been donating. Like, I mean, Manchester United got involved with a signed shirt. The South African rugby team. Nice. All yeah. the four provinces has been like insane. You know, it's been insane. You know, the the support I've gotten. Um, but yeah, I have my own Facebook, Hit and Hope Tennis okay. Coach. And that's information you know, for myself is, is on that page. But, you know, even anyone listening today, you know, I would recommend that anyone, you know, this isn't, you know, it's not about tennis. No, tennis is part of it, but it's not about, you know, tennis. I, you know, tennis is great to use, but it's about bringing a bit of hope. And, you know, if there's any basketball coaches out there or soccer coaches or rugby coaches or whatever, you know, you know, get a bag of rugby balls, you know, get a bag of, of basketballs and go out and, and, you know, do it. I mean, you can make a basketball hoop very easily. You know, mm, yeah. I mean, the, like the first time I was over in Ritzona, we made this, this makeshift tennis net because I didn't bring a tennis net the first time I went over. So it was like two big blocks and a wood thing and a, this old... Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the greatest. It was, it was useless. But it done the job like it... Yeah. You know, I've done the job until I got out there with, with proper nets. But, you know, this is something that anyone can do. Yeah. Basketball coaches, soccer coaches, Irish dancing teachers, you know, something that, you know, you can, it's amazing what you can do if, you know, if you, you know, put your mind to it. Yeah, no, no, incredible. Like, it is just, just amazing to hear kind of what you have done and obviously that it is something that makes a difference and a whole host of people can 
can kind of do something similar. So obviously it's, it's a great yeah, message to, to hear from you. Bringing your own skill, is, you know, whatever skill set you have, like, you yeah. know, it's, it's just, it's just amazing. Oh, fantastic. And, and just a couple of, of other kind of points, um, Wesley, before we finish up, I know that you've also worked kind of back here in Ireland, you've worked a good bit in, in blind tennis and maybe some other bits of enjoy tennis. So just to tell me a little bit, I know you've even worked with the, you know, the, the Irish World Championship team for the, the blind tennis. Tell, tell, tell me a bit about your, your work in, in blind tennis or, or in enjoy tennis and other kind of areas of tennis as well. Yeah, I, you know, that's one side of the, of the game that I really love as well. I mean, that's a big passionate side of mine, you know, working with the enjoy tennis, you know, working with the blind tennis. Um, I got involved with the blind tennis. I went to a, to a conference in Bulgaria, the World Coaches Conference in Bulgaria okay. in 2017. And they were given a demonstration, two Spanish lads were given a demonstration on blind tennis. And I thought this is something that I have to, to get involved with when I, you know, when I come back home. Yeah. Um, so when I got back, I, I reached out to Liam O'Donoghue, who's in Shankill Tennis Club, who's, you know, like an amazing guy with the you know, like there would be no enjoy tennis, there'd be no blind tennis without Liam. So I got in touch with him and I just said, look, how can I get involved? So a lot of the work that I did previously would have been in Shankill Tennis Club in Dublin. So I yeah. would have traveled up to the Lou and got involved there. Um, and then like, like you said, I was lucky enough to get involved with the Irish team through that. Um, but more recently now I've, I've started, I've set up a Midwest blind tennis program which covers like Clare, Limerick, and and Tipperary. Right. Um, we had two two taster sessions there before Christmas, that were well supported. We had like four adults and three kids, which you know was you know you know which was good for a taster session. And the plan is now to run a more a longer running program now in, uh, in the new year. So February yeah. time. Yeah, great. So so how how do those run? Like, do you find people that are gonna obviously it, it, it's enjoyed by people and, and like how, how do you then like how, how do you kind of feel that, that all the the sessions work and kind of from your point of view as well i know they, they kind of work well you know there's always a little bit of you know anxiety and a little bit of apprehension you know when when someone comes to the door like you know, yeah blind tennis they're like you know and then, i mean that's the first thing i asked them you know when we all got together on day one and we all introduced ourselves and I introduced myself and I just wanted everyone to give a quick thought on, you know, get everyone, you know, what they thought when they heard, okay, blind tennis, mm. you know, first. Yeah. You know, everyone is like, you know, okay, they have to come and try this. They don't know more, like they don't know much about it. It's just literally about making it as fun and as enjoyable, regardless of whether you're doing it for kids or whether you're doing it for adults. It's making it as fun and, and as enjoyable. Yeah. Um, like we had one lady now who who was legally blind, so she would be in the B1 category. Yeah. Um, and with that lady, it was just simple about, I don't care if I have to stand within one foot of her, she yeah. is going to hit the ball on day yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the most important thing, is that she hits the ball and she makes contact with the ball. And a lot of people have said that, you know, with the, uh, with the guys that worked in Dublin now, They've said that's what brings them back. It's yeah, making yeah, it's, it's that feeling. I mean, like I got the biggest buzz. Like when that lady made contact with the ball for the first time, I moved back a little bit and I said, "Okay, the ball's going to come to your left hand side." Yeah, you know, and she hit the ball. She got the biggest buzz out of it. I got the biggest buzz out of it. Her husband, who was sitting down watching, he got the biggest buzz out of it. 
and it's that kind of thing that like yeah okay that's brilliant you know yeah, that's oh, absolutely that's fantastic so you know it's about getting as much um them getting as much out of it as as you know as they can and then you mentioned maybe kind of apprehension on on the part of, of the players and i'm sure that a lot of any any kind of coaches that aren't involved in blind tennis may feel some apprehension as well might be a bit kind of intimidated by it so like what 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 would you say to to coaches who might might be a little bit nervous about trying this kind of very different to their normal job about how what, what kind of advice for them to get involved it's it's just do it you know just get out there and just you know i mean like the first time i done it i like i was a bit like well i mean i wouldn't say i was i was i mean this is something that i think coaches should be excited about yeah. You know, okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, you can understand a little bit of anxiety, if, you know, from a coach as well. But like when I was going up to Dublin, it was more excitement that pushed me on. Like, I like the whole excitement of it overturned the, you know, the bit of anxiety yeah. I had. Yeah. You know, so you know, it's it's something. Just do it and get excited about it, and you know, you're going to get such a kick out of it, and it's just an amazing feeling. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, actually, I was speaking just yesterday to Stuart Haxel, who is obviously is, is one, one of one of our, our top players, um, and obviously in the B one category, as, as you mentioned. So, if anyone is again, just to hear his story, kind of obviously this is your side of it as a coach, and then to hear his side of it as as one of the, the top players yeah, is, Stuart, was incredible. Uh, like Stuart is, I mean, you know yourself now. Stuart is not only one of our best players, but Stuart is now one of the world's best players. Yeah, you know, in the B1 category. I mean, that's fact now. I mean, Stuart is absolutely amazing. I mean, the love and and passion that Stuart puts into it is insane. Yeah. I mean, Stuart would be a professional tennis player if he could. Like he he like yeah. he'd give up everything, you know, yeah. to do that full time. He loves it that much. Yeah. And that's what makes him the player he is, because he loves it so much and he's passionate about it. And he is one of the world's best players. No, so oh, brilliant. So there you, there you go. So if, if you're listening to this, have a listen to that one as well for sure. And um, I'd, I'd definitely just do it to hear his story. And, and you've just heard how, how great he is there. So uh, definitely, definitely listen to that as well. Um, now, just Wesley, before we, we, we finish up, obviously, we've talked about some nice and different sides of, of coaching. Like, you know, as you say, you, you kind of have your, your maybe your, your more regular day job of, of coaching. And then you obviously have all these bits of coaching, which, which just kind of add to it all. So, like, what advice do you have for maybe coaches? Or how to get into coaching and maybe get into these different aspects of, of, of tennis coaching? I just think it's, you know, just, you know, reach out to as many. I mean, look, coaching is coaching. You know, I love helping as many people as you can. I mean, it kind of breaks up, you know, the 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 day-to-day coaching is 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 fantastic and it's it's in you know it's what we do. But I really find, you know, branching out into other little activities and other sides of coaching, um, you know, helps me day to day as well. Yeah. So you know, it's just, yeah. you know, put as many strings in your bow as you can, um, you know, and you're going to get a lot out of it and you're going to get, you know, a huge amount out of it as well. So, you know, just do it. Yeah, absolutely. No. Uh, and just a final question, Wesley, what, what's your favourite thing about tennis? My favourite thing about tennis is... Oh, put me on the spot now. <laughs> it it has really been, and I know we've spoken about it. It has really been like the work I'm doing in the refugee camps. The fact that I can really see that what tennis, that what I'm doing as a tennis coach and what tennis can bring 
to people who really who really kind of need it you know yeah it, it's just it re how it can really make a difference in someone's life that really kind of needs it yeah yeah no no Wesley yeah no I really appreciate your time and, and coming on and obviously telling all those stories and all about the work you've done and, and hopefully people that do listen to this will I'm sure they will take a lot from that and kind of the experiences that you've, you've spoken about so I re really appreciate your time it's, it's in, kind of inspirational what you've done and hopefully will inspire others I'm sure so a big thanks and uh well yeah no, all, all the best with hopefully as you say hopefully getting out before too long as 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 as, as much as you can getting out there and um, more, more trips and keep it going. But um, yeah, no, well done. Big thanks. Big thanks once again to Wesley for his time with this episode and for sharing uh, all the stories that he did. As I said at the start, I think it's really it's inspirational what Wesley has done uh, and to hear all about, about the work he's done and, and how he's raised raised funds and, and brought these experiences to, to all these people who would otherwise would not have any access to a sport like tennis. So do feel free to, to check out Wesley's page that he mentioned on Facebook, Hidden Hope Tennis Coach, and to get involved in, in any way that you can. A big thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you did enjoy it. And if you did, please do consider liking it, leaving a review, and subscribing to the show so you don't miss another episode. Until next time, thanks for listening. I've been Adam, and goodbye.